Hey Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys had a great week. Mine was pretty decent. Um, since I'm a gamer, I actually got to try the Modern Warfare 2 beta, so I really enjoyed that. I got to play with some friends that way. Otherwise, it's just been typically doing my normal stuff, trying to study. Though this past week, like I would say Wednesday, and then even today, has been really like allergies and everything. And then today, I really don't feel as good. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping it's just allergies on a cold because next weekend we get to go to a wedding and I don't want to be sick for that. Anyway, um, I just want to thank you guys for supporting uh, Warrior Within and just being a part of all this and seeing how God has just been doing some pretty neat things in my life and especially, you know, the series that he's been placing on my heart. Today, you know, I want to talk about is anger. And I know a lot of times, you know, we talk about anger. It's usually not a topic that guys truly talk about. In fact, I do feel that men struggle with anger probably more than they realize because one of the, one of the things that I realized even from last week learning about what do you call it about anxiety i realized that anger is one thing that we struggle with as well like anxiety basically becomes a part of who we are it becomes a factor in our perspective of thinking like how how we feel it's a part of like our emotion so technically i could actually say the anxiety that we do get can lead into being angry and i can tell you this because i remember when i was in middle school that range after being bullied for so long and then getting to a christian school where it was a little bit better and i didn't have the bullyingness but i kind of lost my self-esteem so i kind of had to, to figure out how to gain it so i got into sports and unfortunately i didn't have football but i got to play flag football i was really good at flag football um it wasn't like a uh, flag football like like we're talking like in a league or anything it was just you know at, at the gym or playground time and i do remember that the sports that i did get to do was track and basketball and my coach who was a former nfl player uh he actually was an offensive lineman for the giants at one point he actually quit because he realized that his team was using his anger to get him motivated to play. And as, as he became a Christian, he started realizing that's not God's intention of him. That was bad behavior. That wasn't righteous, wasn't walking appropriately as he should be as a Christian. So one of the things he noticed about me was I had anger issues. And so he tried to help me the best he could by giving me understanding. But hey, you're a middle schooler. You struggle. Things don't work out the way you want, you know, and sometimes you allow that anger to fester. Even though in my mind, it only popped up when I sports. As time went and I got more involved, like in gaming and football later on, even basketball, I noticed in competition, what was happening in me was uh, being 
the anger would come out because of how I was bullied. Like one of the ways I was bullied was that I was told I was no good at sports, even though it's because I used my my size or my my strength that I did have to win fights. I mean, in basketball, I was able to deal with the bigger guys that may be taller than me because I had enough strength behind me to be able to box them out or to move quickly or to not just be easily taken. And so that's where the whole concept of football was something I really loved. So in football, my favorite thing about it was running the football. I was not interested in being a quarterback. I didn't want to be a wide receiver. I enjoyed the running back position. And one of my favorite football players of all time was Barry Sanders. I actually got to watch him play, you know, near the end of his time, but got to watch him play, and I just loved watching him. Terrell Davis was probably one of my other favorite football running backs I did enjoy watching. And then Sean Alexander. Um, as time has gone, of course, you know, I got to see a lot of different running backs, but even, even today... You know Barkley over in Giants I, d- I do like his style like the way he runs I do enjoy well I did enjoy um uh, what is his name the Beast his name now I did enjoy watching him play because some of his style was kind of like mine but he was a little bit more of the like trying to run through people where I was more of the Barry Sanders perspective of dealing with people but I always noticed how even in high school, my anger was still there, was still there, was still there. And even in adulthood, it still came up. Like, it was just there. It never went away. And I started thinking about how men probably have similar stories, whether it's because of abuse, whether it's because of bullying, whether it's because of feeling inaccurate, um, adequate, inadequate. There we go. Um not feeling manly enough being told you're worthless i mean there's so many things that we can think of because even though the culture is trying to tell us you need to just suck it up you need to stop allowing it to control you whatever we never actually taught anybody to deal with it and to be honest i don't think there's a straightforward answer to healing someone's anger than God himself. But I will give some insight of where we can go with this. Now, one of, one of the stories that came up to my mind about anger, and I don't know if most of you guys ever think about it, but King Saul. We know that King Saul was called to be king. We know that he was directed by God to be chosen to be king over Israel, the first king of Israel. And he did a fantastic job in the beginning until what I can gather based on all the stuff is power that he gained got to his head. And he thought since he was king, he had the same authority as a prophet. And so instead of sticking to the plan of honoring God, he started doing his own thing. And over time, God decided to give the crown to someone else. Even though they weren't given the crown right away, they were anointed to be king. That was David. 
And if we were to go to 1 Samuel 18, this is time path, or time ahead. And David is now serving the king as someone who plays music to calm his spirit. But in chapter 18, we're at the point where that named the, the title, Spear Pinning Anger, where anger is really seen clearly. Now we go to verse 10, it says, The next day an evil spirit sent from God came powerfully on Saul. And he began to rave inside the palace. David was playing the lyre as usual. But Saul was holding a spear and he threw it thinking, I will pin David to the wall. But David got away from him twice. I'm going to stop there for a second. I know all of you are probably thinking, but God gave him evil spirit. Now I want you to understand something. Okay. King Saul wasn't just giving it to him because God just felt like doing something to him. Evil spirit came onto him because Saul already disobeyed and betrayed God. And God allowed it to happen. In other words, feeding into his desires of anger. I want you guys to really think about that. This is not supernatural in the sense like it's a mythical story that just happened. This is something you should really consider thinking about reading that over and over again and understanding the story of Saul helps you to understand why this is going on. This anger wasn't just in the spur of the moment. This is anger that's been building up and building up and building up. Not necessarily because of a appropriate anger, you know, because there's times where anger are being mistreated and all the stuff that we have gone through. But this is anger because Saul stopped getting, like, basically is not getting his way. He was doing stuff he shouldn't be doing and used the anger as a form of, I guess, ideology for his reasoning, for his moral thinking, for his choice making. You see, it festered long enough to the point where an evil spirit got into him to do something he shouldn't be doing. Verse 12 says, Saul was afraid of David something else to think about because the Lord was with David but had left Saul so he he understood what was going on yet he allowed his feeding of his anger to dictate and control his feelings in the situation verse 14 or actually 13 therefore Saul sent David away from him and made him commander over a thousand a thousand men David led the troops and continued to be successful in all his activities because the Lord was with him. When Saul observed David was very successful, he dreaded him. Now, this is something very interesting about people with anger issues. Sometimes what they try to do when they see someone else being blessed or living the life that they should be living or um, consider them a threat to them. What they do is they put them in positions thinking that they can never be successful or grow to keep them from growing. 
Now this has a mixed view of feelings here. One is that people who don't deal with their anger will start affecting other people's perspectives and life and choices and positions of where they're at. And they tried to hurt those people, which is why anger that rages in someone can become a deadly weapon like a spear. I want you guys to think about that because we look at this picture of Saul putting David in a position of a commander and what did God do? He blessed David and everything he did, which in return is going to make David even more, or Saul even more angry at David, right? So we go to verse 15. Now we did that one. 16, it says, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he was leading their troops. Saul told David, here's my daughter, uh, Merab. I'll give you her to you as your wife. If you will be a warrior for me and fight the Lord's battles. But Saul was thinking, I don't need to raise a hand against him. Let the hand of the Philistines be against him. See, already plotting. And you wonder where David learned that a little bit later, huh? But Saul is plotting against David. And this is where we get to this, this point, is this is what happens when we don't deal with our anger. We may not see how we hurt other people or we start plotting against other people, but we start going against people that may not actually be a problem because we want to have, one, control, two, a power over others. And also, we don't like seeing people go above us because if it does, that makes our anger feel less important. Who cares if someone takes the high road? I want to be angry. I want to be raging. I want to be upset. And when God starts showing them a way to get away from that, they have a hard time letting go of the anger because they want to have it because that's the identity that they have been living on for so long that they can't see anything else better but what that anger provides. It makes them feel something. And even though they have had so much taken away, it makes them feel something, some type of power control over someone else. Go to verse 18. David responds, who am I? What is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law when it was time to give Saul's daughter, Merab, David, she was given to Adriel, the Methalite, as his, as a wife, so he didn't even keep his promise. Do you see how much anger can affect someone so much that they basically can plot evil towards someone else, hurt themselves, cause problems? See, there's a lot of parts and avenues about anger that can go in many different directions of how it affects you, how it affects me. But if we don't deal with anger, it does affect others. It will start affecting 
your views. It will start affecting your morals. It will affect every aspect of your life. And like anxiety, it could fill your heart and your mind and not be cleansed out. It starts affecting your health. It starts affecting your mind and your heart. Anger could be such a powerful battlefield tool for the evil gods of this world. For sin itself, for what the enemy can use against you, you're not careful where you stand. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll explain what I mean by where you stand. See you right after. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Breeze, welcome back to the second half of the episode. And now we're going to be talking about what I mean by where you stand. So one, we're going to go to James 1. Because James 1, 19, all the way to 25 has a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Let's talk about it. My brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. A human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil that is that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you, save your souls. 22, but he, oh, sorry, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. That is a very important verse. If anything, memorize that verse because that is a very vital verse. Verse 22. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it. And is not forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. In other words, we go, we are supposed to be acting one way. We look at ourselves in the mirror and say, yes, we're going to follow Jesus today. And then we turn around and forget what we just said. We see this a lot today in churches. We see a lot of people go to church. They go, well, amen. Yes, we love you, Jesus. And they praise his name, hear God's word. But then they still act the way that they act at home. No change. Then, like, once again, they turn around and say, why is God not helping me? Why is God not doing anything? Why do I feel alone? Because you haven't obeyed God's commands. You see, Saul, in all that he was given by God, all the blessings, prestige, the power, the lordship, the servants, the army was all given to him, but because he disobeyed God, 
and did his own thing, God took it away. God wasn't with him, wasn't speaking to him anymore. Now, I want to be clear, it does not mean in our lives that God has removed himself from us because we're in that, but we can't hear him when he's talking to us. You can't hear the Holy Spirit tell you, hey, Joe, stop acting that way, man. You're treating people not godly. You're being unholy in your thinking towards that woman. Bro, why are you looking at this porn again? Bro, why are you hanging out with this girl? You know that she's trouble. See, the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to keep us on the straight and narrow, trying to make us be obedient to God's word and his commandments. But it's your choice to do it. You can't go to church and look at the pastor and say amen and praise Jesus and say, yes, we got to be this way and then go home and act like what you've been acting like and expect change. Hearing the word, but not being a doer, is not obeying God. It's just like anything else in real life. Someone tells you, if you want to make a million dollars, all you have to do is hop on your left foot for one minute and it's yours and you go and hop on your right foot. In fact, you get a chair and you sit down and you just shake your left foot. Well, why didn't I win the million dollars? Well, because I told you you had to hop on your left foot alone for one minute. But I was. I was sitting there um, and I shook my left foot. No, no, no. I said hop on your one foot. Nothing else. You see, the thing is, God tells us do not sin. So we go, yay, yes, we don't sin. So now we go and look at the list of what we're not supposed to be doing because it's unholy. But we said, but we turn around and go, but you know, Lord, but I, I like this. I like this feeling. When I look at these naked women, it makes me feel good inside. When I go and cheat on my wife because she doesn't give me what I want, I feel good inside. I go and I lie to my boss about my numbers so I can make a little extra money because I need it. Right? Or, you know, hey, you know, yeah, even though, you know, my pastor's not preaching correctly, even though, like, he's, he's, he's talking, you know, he's using the Bible. I mean, what's the problem? But he's teaching stuff that's not biblical and it's progressive or woke or something that's not true. It's false false heresy. It's ideology. Whatever you want to, it's whatever you want to call it. It's false ideology. I, I don't. You could pick whatever you want, but if you're willing to speak up against what is being done in your church that isn't biblical, that's what God's looking for. But but we're supposed to obey, you know, those in authority. Yes, if they're godly. If if suddenly the his government said, you know, we're passing a law where you need to go and um, murder one person, every, you know, every once a month as requirement to be a citizen of the United States. Would you still do that? Would you go murder someone so you could be obedient to the to the law? Because in scripture, it says we're supposed to obey God over man. But in the like likeness, those that put in authority are supposed to follow the law. But who are we supposed to follow first, God or man? It's God first. So why do we obey our hearts over God all the time? 
because our hearts isn't isn't good. That's why the teaching that we hear constantly in movies and TV shows, especially in Hallmark, is always about, oh, just follow your heart, follow your heart. No, your heart is deceitful because its desire is not for God, it's for yourself. It wants to feed what you want, which is why God says in return for the breastplate of righteousness to be put on is so that you follow God's commandments in righteousness. So in other words, you naturally don't have the desire to be righteous in how you feel or think. Because remember, I told you the heart connects to the mind, which the mind is about salvation, which salvation is about what Christ has done for us and the desire of where it goes in life as an obedient servant. Our minds need to be protected just as much as our hearts do. But in an act of obedience, it's changing your life to reflect Christ and not men. And that is the same ordeal with our anger. Our anger feeds what we want to feel in our hearts. And so we, it festers in, we, we excuse the anger because while well, I was unjustly treated, okay, so was I may not have been the same story as yours, but I had anger and it, it did not make life better keeping it. It made it harder. In fact, I wish I can go back in time and just enjoy my middle school, high school life better because I wouldn't have allowed that anger to dictate my feelings as much as it did. Because we got to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We got to obey God, not just agree with him. Too many men today have been holding on to their anger for way too long. And it affects how they love their wife, it affects how they lead their family, it affects how they are as a man, period. Whether you're single or not, it affects you. And it not just hurts you in the inside, it hurts people on the outside. Like I talk about in the episode about the, I think it's the shield hero of pride based off of the anime that I had watched. The concept is he thought his rage came from his issue, like that someone gave it to him, which was the monster he defeated, and that it was the monster's rage, but the monster revealed, the monster dragon spirit, it revealed to him that it was his rage that was just being fed by him, like feeding that, that magic skill. It wasn't the dragon's. See, we don't understand how much anger is really affecting us. And some people do. So the answer is, what do we do? How do we get back on track? How do we follow what we're supposed to be? What are we supposed to be doing? Your easy answer is in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. That is it. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God keep his commandments because this is for all humanity. Now that whole chapter is about 
teachings of the teacher about like all this information that's going on going on given to people to follow to obey and it even says in addition the teacher in verse 19 Nine, in addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like a cattle prods, and those from, mas from masters of collection are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd, that is God, because capital S, God. But beyond these, my son, be warned, there is no end to making of many books, and much studying wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God, keep his commandments. Fear God, keep his commandments. Period. You surrender, as we talked about in the last episode with anxiety, you surrender your anxiety you surrender your rage and anger and you fear God, which is respectable fear of God's authority and power over yours, over you, giving him the full effect of his reigning lordship over you, which is like we talked about anxiety, surrendering all your cares surrender all your anger and your rage your frustrations give it to god in this situation right now you should get down on your knees and you should let god know hey lord I, if i have anger or if you know that you're angry i want you to take it remove this rage from me remember the things i talked about in anxiety one of the lessons that's in that one sermon that was from last week he said that he was told play music, worship music, especially if it's music that will be like against anxiety, but you could use that same type of music and you worship music and just pray and pray and pray. I've been doing it. It's been very cool to see and just asking God, I've been, I have a journal. I've been writing out my thoughts in those journal and just like sharing it to God and just kind of letting it go. Just letting it go and let it, and just keep going through that process. And you'd keep giving it to God, but you got to fear him and you got to obey his word. You got to live out his life. You got to change the way you look at things, which is seeking out God, seeking out God, seeking out God. And if any of you guys have struggled with anger, you know that the more you've spent time with God, the less your anger has had a hold over you. Because I know some people have shared that. It takes time. It's not an instant card that you just punch in and suddenly your anger is gone, though some people have had that happen. But most of the time, it takes time and effort because you have a lot of baggage. And if you could find someone that you could trust to talk about it to, but anger is a tool of the enemy that allows you to throw those spears where you want them. And the fact that David had to run and got thrown at it twice tells you how much rage was in Saul. But Saul stopped obeying God. He stopped fearing him. Because if you remember, he was afraid of David back in 1 Samuel. Not God, David. 
How many times have we been fearful of somebody over God? We have to learn to let go of our anger every day as much as possible to allow God to heal the broken pieces in our hearts. That anger rage is just a festering fire that can keep growing and growing until one day it explodes. And you're not going to care who you hurt until after you're calm again. And this even includes people who are the abusers in their anger. They have never had someone talk to them about their issues, let alone dealt with them. Which is why one of the things that Jesus tells us, even in our enemies, is to pray for them. Because those people who have hurt us have probably been hurt themselves. And they don't know how to deal it, deal with their issues at all. And so what they do is they hurt other people to make themselves feel better. And that's why even praying for those people is going to be super vital in your ability to not be angry anymore because you want to hope that they'll change and that they'll discover redemption in Christ and sadly some of those people may actually be saved people but because of whatever they've gone through is affecting them and how they treat others But I want you guys to, if anything, understand you fear God, obey his commandments, keep his commandments, follow, change your life, your choices, obey God. And then you will see your anger slowly fade away as time goes, because you're allowing God to be the reign over your heart and your anger. And if he can calm a raging sea in front of the disciples, he can calm the storm in you. Any of you guys know the song Skillet Stars? You'll understand where I got that phrasing from. But let's pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. I ask that you just bless all the men and even the women that may be listening to this episode, that you'd help them deal with their anger and their hurt and their pain and allow it to be given to you so that they could fear you and obey your word and see the change in them start happening each day over time. It may not be an instant change. It may take time and they need to be faithfully following you. Give them the courage to take each step forward until they're able to allow you to have full access of getting rid of that anger. It will take them having a willing heart. So I ask today that you break some of these hearts to be willing to give up that anger so they can see you cleanse and change them from the inside out. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. And I ask that you keep working in me and keep changing my heart and keep cleaning it out. And I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. May God bless it. And I will talk to you next time.